Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pull Your Shelf Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. I'm Jessica. And we have a special guest with us today, Josie. So we are going to give you some more quarantine reading recommendations because it's still a thing and it's going to be a thing. <laughs> it's going to be a thing for a while. So um, we hope that everybody is doing okay and is able to have a little better focus on their quarantine books. Um, at the bookstore, we're... Well, we're in this weird in-between place where we are open but not really open. Um, we have people in the store but only one, maybe two at a time. Everybody has masks on. Um, so we're getting a little more book talk in but not really a lot. A, a lot of muffled conversation book talk through masks. But we appreciate everybody being super chill about us requiring masks in the store we just want you to be safe and we want us to be safe because we don't know where each other have been and it's it's for our own good and it's it's not something we enjoy but it's just where it, we are right now it's necessary so without further ado i think josie's gonna start us off yeah what what, what do you got josie <laughs> well for today i have just some easy reads because I don't know about you guys, but it's been very hard for me to get into dense books. Mm -hmm. I love fantasy, but right now it's a lot for me <laughs> to have to get into the whole world building and everything. But at the same time, I miss reading. So I've been reading more lighter reads. So let's get into it. <laughs> um, the first one is Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. And it came out this month, May 5th. And it is a novel in verse. This is her third novel. And if you liked The Poet X, then you definitely like Clap When You Land, especially because she explores more of her roots in terms of the Dominican Republic. Because she was raised in New York, but she still feels that connection there, and she visited it once, and that's what she tried to capture in her novel. So it tells the story of two young women who lose their father during a plane crash. So while they lose a family member, they gain a family member because they discover that the other one exists. So their father had two secret lives that he kept from both of them. It's, wow. Yeah, it's a very powerful read. Cried so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody has seen your staff pick section, there's always a book by Elizabeth in there. They they kind of live there, which is nice. <laughs> we and, love Elizabeth. <laughs> and and we know where to find them too. <laughs> yeah, it makes it easy for us when we're we're trying to Correct. find one for someone. <laughs> as soon as we walk into the door, you'll see Elizabeth Acevedo. <laughs> Therefore, it's a sign. <laughs> yes. All right, Jessica. What well, what do you got? <laughs> I I actually I haven't been reading a lot of new things, but I have been revisiting things. And I will say that I jumped on uh, the bandwagon and started listening to um, the Jane Austen Society on Libro <laughs> FM. And so now Melissa and I get to talk about it. She's a little further along than me, but I, I may catch her up tonight if I go for a long walk. Um, I may need to take a moment. It made me upset on my way to work, and I was actually very put out by what happened today. <laughs> oh, no. So I have to get to this point so then we can discuss it further. So uh, the Jane Austen Society, which comes out 
Um, it comes out in two weeks, the 26th of May. Yeah. And it's, it's a good story, and it is very diverting. So if you're looking for something um, in your, your moderately near future to read, <laughs> I would highly recommend this. I'm going to go back to a few books I've read. Um, one of them is, I would say, kind of a crossover um, fantasy book, and it, um, it's Ursula Le Guin. And it was written around 1964, and it's her Earthsea, the books of Earthsea. And um, the volume I'm looking at right now is a beautiful um, collected works, but they come in individuals, which are slightly easier to read. And there's like seven of them, I think? About seven of them, and um, they're they're the story of Ged, and I'm going to possibly mispronounce some of this. And he is a wizard. But he is more of a human wizard, so he learns and grows, um, and her world building is amazing. The fantasy world, um, she mapped on a large sheet of butcher paper in her kitchen and with crayons and her kids around, and it's sort of a, a series, the world is a series of islands. There's a lot of, um, a lot of sailing that goes on because, again, her world is a series of islands. Um, but it's a very real world. There are economics, there are taxes, there It's like playing a game of Settlers of Catan in book form. <laughs> well, but there's a deeper level to it, too. Um, the magic is interesting in it. Um, it has a lot to do with knowing your true name, and and then it goes from there. And the training of the wizards takes place at a special school. I'm not going to say that J.K. Rowling owes anything to Ursula Le Guin, but if you read these books, you might think that maybe she might owe a little something to her. Well, um, I feel like there's probably not a lot of fantasy writers today that have not been influenced by Ursula K. Le Guin. I mean, she is, she's she's up there, like, on a pedestal for a well, reason. <laughs> she, she is amazing. And and this um, this book, it's the world it's set in also, it's not a medieval world. So it's, although she loved Tolkien, and um, the other Icelandic myths, her world is completely different. It's almost more like a, a Taoist or a Native American magic that goes on there. Hmm. Um, and with her characters, there's sort of a, a yin and yang that for every action you take, there's an opposite action that happens as well. So you want to be extremely careful when you use magic. You don't just fling your wand around. Um, <laughs> don't go flinging your wand out for everything. <laughs> Exactly. So um, I highly recommend it. There are plenty of books to keep you busy. I read it as an adult. Um, I somehow missed this as a child, and I I wish I had found this as a child. Um, And then I read it out loud to my children. And it is is appropriate for older children. Um, There may be a few parts you have to edit, but it's extremely light editing if you're reading it aloud. And it's a good time, good family time to share all of this because um, there's a lot to talk about in it. So Ursula, Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, The Books of Earthsea. I, I, I don't think you'll go wrong here during the pandemic if you pick these up. Excellent. Okay, so I just want to say quickly that I finished both of the books that I talked about last week that I was currently in the middle of reading. So The City of Brass, which is amazing, and I – really had to stop myself from just picking up the second one and just barreling straight into it because I wanted to read something a little bit different and give you all something 
more interesting to hear about. Just know that that series is amazing, and it ends on like, oh, oh no. <laughs> well, and, and I'm going to chime in there that I finished The Glass Hotel, and I need someone to talk to about this book who's read it because um, there's some things I want to discuss. Yes, and and the rest of us are disappointing her and have not read that yet. But they'll get around to it. We'll get around to it. Um, I also finished The Incredible Journey of Plants, and Jessica can attest to you that I was spewing my geekery all over her earlier, talking about the last couple chapters of this book, which, oh my God, I had no idea. Like, plants are amazing in ways that I just did not even imagine. Well, you remember when we read... um, Oh, the... um, Lab girl, lab girl, and I, I can't even, I can't step on acorns like I used to now. Yeah, but I know <laughs> more about the life of plants and seeds, and um, yeah. I can't wait to read this book. I made Melissa order a copy of it for me today. It yeah. was, it was just good in a way that I just did not expect it to be. Like I thought I was going to be super bored and be like, oh, it's plants, but okay. Um, but because of that, I realized that I've been super enjoying picking up some nonfiction stuff recently. So. I went with another one. Um, so this is called Resistance, a songwriter's story of hope, change, and courage. And it's by Tori Amos. And Tori Amos spoke to my fractured high school soul. Um, and <laughs> she and her piano got me in a way that no one else did when I was in high school. And I have loved her music ever since. Um, but... She is an interesting individual. I will just say that. She is an eccentric personality. Um, Actually, when I was in college at Virginia Tech, um, I was one of the students that worked the concerts that would come to campus, and she was one of the people that performed. So I got to meet her and her husband, Mark. He's super, super British and calls everyone Pidge. Like, I mean, it's (laughs) – it was like – it was like talking to Tramp from Lady and the Tramp. Um, But – she is just so uniquely weird and i don't mean that in a in a mean way she's just an interesting human um so this book is um it's a memoir um but it's sort of disjointed one and um she talks about um different moments in life and different events um and talks about her life at the time of these, but it's kind of set against like being anti-establishment and anti-patriarchy. Um, so like the first one is her playing at a piano bar in DC and watching all these senators and congressmen and businessmen and all the weird dealings that would go down in this bar as she's playing. And then she talks about nine 11 and, and the war that went on as a result of that. And then the part that I'm at right now is um, when Brett Kavanaugh um, was in the confirmation hearings to be on the Supreme Court and uh, Dr. Ford was talking and doing her testimony about being sexually assaulted by him. And she's a, um, Tori Amos herself is a rape survivor and is very active with um, the organization Rain. Um, so she is very outspoken against sexual assault. Um, but so the book is interesting in the way it's set up because it's got just, it's just broken up into these little, um, different parts and each one starts with lyrics from her songs. Um, and sometimes the lyrics fit what she's talking about in that section. Sometimes they don't. 
maybe they do and I just don't understand how they fit because sometimes her lyrics are a little odd. But um, if you at all like Tori Amos's music, um, you're going to really enjoy this book. It's an interesting insight into her as a human. When when Melissa and I were talking about it this morning, because we were talking about what we were going to talk about, um, it reminded me very much of um, I went down the Patty Smith rabbit hole a few years ago, starting with Just Kids, which I'm getting ready to reread, and um, it it's kind of the way she writes too. It's it's experiential, mm-hmm. and it's um, it weaves her poetry and her thoughts and kind of wherever she is in her life. Yeah into it in a way that is not the way my mind works, Mm-mm. but I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to read and she, like, she talks about her songs. Like she refers to them as, um, she and her, like they have personalities and she talks about being in the shower and thinking about stuff and how the muses were having a conversation with her about how she should do this and this. And I mean, that is not at all how my mind works. Anyone who knows me knows that that is not how my mind works. But I just find her fascinating. And I, like I said, she, she's kind of this ethereal being that just, you know. No, it's, 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 <laughs> it's interesting. And again, it's maybe one that I put on my to-read list. I mean, it definitely, I mean, it's actually beautiful writing, which doesn't surprise me because her lyrics are so beautiful. Um, I, but also, if you really enjoy Tori Amos, there is a... Which I do. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how could you not? Um, there is a comic book. Um, it's actually a giant graphic novel compendium where people have taken the lyrics to her songs and done um, comic ah. interpretations of them. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. I will figure that out and tell you next time. But um, I have it at home, and it's absolutely beautiful. And her lyrics are definitely open to some interesting artwork. Very good. <laughs> I, I, um, After I say this one little thing, then it's time to move back to Josie. Um, so my Flannery O'Connor book group is um, moving on, um, although coming back to Flannery, because we all decided um, – that she is the master of the short story and very worth reading, even though the language is problematic when you're reading it. But the two stories we read this past week, The Geranium and The Temple of the Holy Ghost, um, it had been quite a while since I read them. And these were stories that she wrote earlier in her writing career. One of them, The Geranium, was um, part of her thesis. And uh, they're definitely worth it. If you have a few minutes and you want to pick it up, um, I think both those stories um, are very different but worth revisiting. Uh, again, a uh, warning that the language in it is the language of her time. She's using it for a purpose, and it would have been language that she heard, but it is disturbing. Do not try to read these out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned thesis and immediately went and went. <laughs> Josie's having some uh, some PTSD and she's not even through it yet. <laughs> Honestly. So on a lighter note, because again, light reads, um, the second book I'm going to be recommending is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. And in a quick pitch, the son of the first female president of the United States just doesn't get along with the prince of Britain. And oh, those boys! <laughs> they get into a situation where they need 
public relations to interfere. So they stage a friendship between the two of them, but of course it turns into more than a friendship. Aww. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's definitely, it has Latinx representation, it's queer, and it's her first novel. And even before it got published, it already got, Amazon Prime got the rights for it. So it's going to be, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it's going to be a TV series. But that was impressive, and I read it. It gets you out of a book slump so quickly, so if you're in a book slump right now, it totally helps. As well, to sell it more, it deals a lot with legacy and how history defines us to get to where we are now and how it influences how we will act moving on towards the future. So I think that's a really good book that, even though it might seem like it deals with things on the surface, it's definitely deeper. Very good. Yeah. That's been very popular. We've sold a lot of them, and I, I feel like it's been very well received by the people who have bought it. Like, I think everybody that's has read it has very much enjoyed it. So. Well, and I can't remember where we first heard about it. I think it may have been at Book Expo or... Possibly. Somewhere, but I, I've been rooting for the author, mm -hmm. um, and so I'm happy to... Mm -hmm hear that it's well received and and at some point I will get around to reading it although I don't delve into YA much I always enjoy I know, it when I do. This an actual adult novel. Oh. An adult romance. Yes, sorry. <laughs> a lot, that's the thing. A lot of people thought it was YA and the problem is that it does have some graphic sex scenes so that caused a little bit of controversy because a lot of people were reading it thinking it was YA and they were like wait a second. <laughs> well I think also it has a very similar cover to mm -hmm. the YA book that's out that's yeah. American Royals I think yeah. is what it's called. Um, yeah and so they look very similar mm -hmm. and they both have a similar yeah. type so I can see how that there might be confusion but yes yeah. don't confuse it yeah. and think it's why <laughs> especially for some reason right now there seems to be a lot of covers that are adult romance look similar to YA for some reason right now I don't know what's happening in the cover art department but they do look similar so I understand how well I'm wondering if it's the adult readers that cross over and read yeah. YA they're trying to appeal to that market but yeah. it's it doesn't work with the YA reader crossing over and reading yeah, those books, just content-wise. Yeah, it's specifically um, adult romance. Um, I think the reason that they're changing it a little bit is because there's a new audience for romance right mm -hmm. now. and they Romance don't... is in a huge resurgence it right is. now. Well, who doesn't need escapism right now? And romance really is, if you're not in a fantasy, although sometimes romance is more fantasy, <laughs> um, <laughs> Seduced uh, by the Highlander. <laughs> yes. But I think they're trying to get away from that um, bodice ripping, bodice ripping yeah. cover. Fabio. <laughs> I know. Men in kilts. Yeah. Yes. Or blonde men portraying Native Americans on oh, covers of okay, romance just, books. No. Okay. No. No. I agreed. No. <laughs> so um, I, I can jump in. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, what you, what so you got? this is. This is a book that um, actually I think both of you would like very much if you haven't read it. It's one of the few books that I read because I watched a movie. So in 1992, I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I was at home and watching TV, <laughs> and this movie came on, and I loved it. It was Tilda Swenson. I was not familiar with her, and I, I love her. 
And um, in nineteen ninety two, she must have been crazy young. She was young, and um, but she was her fabulous androgynous self, mm-hmm. which is why she got this role. And the book is Orlando, and it's by Virginia Woolf, and it was inspired by her affair with Vita Saxville West, and it's one of her most popular novels. Um, some people think it's kind of a romp, but it's it's really not. It's it's a great novel about gender inequality, and the whole novel was inspired when Wolf uh, Saxville West took Wolf to Knoll, which was her ancestral home and where she had grown up, and she had belonged to the Saxville family for generations and centuries. But she noted that she didn't inherit it because she had not been born male, and. So in this book, the main character, um, you catch up with them in Elizabethan England. It's a poet. He's a male, and he travels through the centuries and ends up as a woman in the end. So in each kind of life, um, the character is male or female, decidedly, but fluid and has memories from each time and it's it's a fascinating some argue that it's one of the first transgender novels interesting i mean that uh, that actually ties in with the ursula k Le Guin because um what's the, the left hand of darkness where the characters are gender fluid and they are both male and female mm-hmm. just based on different points in their life which is interesting yeah and it's it's a beautifully i mean wolf writes beautifully and in her defense of this novel um the book a room of one's own grew out of that because it was a lecture that she gave which she turned into a novel which is another one of my favorite virginia wolf um books it's it's very short it's really a lecture and it just talks about how as a woman especially and as an artist one needs a room of one's own in which to create. And as a female, that's much harder to come by. Well, that also plays a part in the Jane Austen Society because the female not inheriting the estate actually is a very important part of what happens in that book as well. And Jane Austen talks about that, as we'll recall. Well, a lot. <laughs> well, Mrs. Bennett specifically <laughs> talks about it a lot. Yes. <laughs> but um, I think that it's a good read. For this time, it's not overly heavy. So if you've read *To the Lighthouse* and you're terrified to jump in <laughs> to Virginia Woolf again, this is not that. This is uh, okay, not a more traditional novel because that is not the case. But it is a more fluid narrative, less stream of consciousness, um, and it's it really it's beautifully written. It's evocative. Um, and and then after you read it, you can watch the movie with Tilda Swenson, which is fantastic. All right. Um, well, so another thing that I have delved into this week, um, I've been going back and forth between the Tori Amos book and The Only Woman in the Room by Marie Benedict, which is a historical novel about the life of Hedy Lamarr. Um, so Marie was actually here in Savannah for the book festival, not this year, last the year. year. Before. Yeah, the mm-hmm. year before. Um, and that's when this book had come out in hardcover. And I didn't actually get to hear her speak when she was here because there were so many people she that you got turned away 
I got to hear her speak. Well, she was fantastic. Well, I got to meet her at the author party. And um, she's from Pittsburgh, where I am from. So she is a hometown gal, which I really like. She's absolutely lovely. She's honestly one of the nicest people I've met. Um, and also, she was um, one of the authors who... Um, was active in the Save Indie Bookstore campaign uh, that James Patterson and uh, Bink, which is the booksellers charitable foundation, um, did uh, during this pandemic to raise money to help indie bookstores that were struggling. Um, so she was giving a pro, um, a percentage of the sales of one of her backlist novels, The Other Einstein to the um, Save Indie Bookstores Fund. And she was one of the authors that we had on a virtual reader meet writer uh, thing through SIBA. She's honestly just a wonderful, wonderful human and is super great to booksellers. Um, so we very much appreciate her. Um, so this book uh, starts out, I'm not very far into it, I will say that, um, but it starts out in 1933 when um, Hetty is playing um, Empress Elizabeth in a play. This is after her um, scandalous turn in, um, I think it's called Ecstasy was the movie where she was naked and simulated sex in the early 1930s, which is very scandalous. Um, so as she is Jewish and living in Austria, even though her family is not overtly Jewish, they live in the Jewish neighborhood in um, Vienna, and she is being courted by a man who is a munitions um, maker, who is also very, very good friends with Mussolini. Um, yes, well, so basically her parents are encouraging her in this relationship, not because they agree with this, this man's politics or what he does um, for a living, but because they think that her having a relationship with him will keep her safe. And they believe that Mussolini is Austria's best chance for not being um, invaded by Hitler and the Germans. We, we all know that that doesn't necessarily work out for them, but... <laughs> um, the, the good thing is Hetty seems at this point to actually respect this man and he seems to treat her well and actually very much care for her. Um, I haven't gotten much further. He has just asked for her hand in marriage. We shall see. Okay. <laughs> but it's very, very well written. Um, it's super engaging. Again, it's um, it's more, uh, as Josie was saying, sort of maybe a lighter read, even though it is set World War II, yeah. you know, that kind of that kind of time period, but it is a more diverting sort of read. So Excellent. Yeah. Um, I loved hearing her talk about it. I have not read it, but I, I look forward to doing well, it. Well, I find day. Hedy Lamar fascinating, and she was brilliant and mm -hmm. just an, an amazing woman. So Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Josie, what you got for us? <laughs> okay. So the next one I got is... Don't Date Rosa Santos by Nina Moreno. This one is a young adult novel. And it was my favorite read of 2019. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. <laughs> um, Nina Moreno just crafts such a wonderful story. And it follows three generations of Cuban women 
and the third generation is Rosa Santos, and she wants to go to Cuba, but um, it has a different weight for her grandmother, so there's that struggle, as well as their family just happens to be cursed by the sea. <laughs> so <laughs> every man that they date ends up taken by the ocean. When her grandmother crossed from Cuba to the United States, she saw her husband die. Then her mother lost her husband to the ocean as well. So Rosa Santos understands that there are certain limitations to who she can love. Of course, she falls for a mysterious bo boy that has a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so it just follows all of that. But the magical realism is just so rich. And just the generational love as well as her mother isn't really present in her life. So she deals with that as well. Because her mother is still suffering from having lost her husband while being pregnant with Rosa. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. So, so not light, but a, but a very yeah. good read. Yeah, it's it just for for a debut novel, you can expect. I don't, I don't even know what to expect from Nina Moreno. I she impressed me so much, and I just respect her so much because her writing, while being taking you through the journey, very lightly, so to speak, with the theme, <laughs> she does handle a lot of things and issues without really overwhelming you. Okay. Well done. Yeah. Well, okay, the next book I'm going to talk about is not necessarily the best pandemic read maybe, but it is extremely topical for a lot of what's going a lot of what's going on right now. Sorry. I may have just sounded like I was in a barrel in that first <laughs> part. Um I forget to talk into the microphone. But um I I read this after we saw Jessamyn Ward in New Orleans mm -hmm. a few years ago. And um, this is Sing Unburied Sing. It won the National Book Award. And um, it, is, it is a dark book. It is a dark book. It is a dark book, and it's about racial tensions in Mississippi. And um, a lot of the action, the main character is JoJo, um, and then there's Pop and Ma'am and his mother, Leon, Le Leone. Leone. And it's partly a sort of on-the-road novel. It's partly a ghost story because mm -hmm. the characters are haunted by ghosts. Um, it all circles around and goes in and out of the famous prison in Mississippi, Par Parchman? Mm -hmm. Parchman. Um, and it's it's almost parchment is almost as much a character in the book as the people. Um, and I guess it starts out with Jojo turning thirteen and his grandfather, who he lives with, going out to kill a goat for his birthday. Um, and Jojo goes with him because he's a man now, but as it turns out, when he sees the goat killed, he throws up and he, well, Jojo is very sensitive. Jojo has been kind of abandoned by his mother. She's she's still around, but she's not really around. And he's got a little sister who he very much takes care of and is sort of raising, even though they live with their grandparents. They do. Jojo, well, Mam is sick. Um, mm -hmm. She has cancer. And um, Pop is haunted by a ghost. Um, 
the sister is haunted by ghosts. And I mean, literally, not figuratively. There's some voodoo and hoodoo that takes place in mm -hmm. here. Um, but one of the gifts of the family is that they can see these spirits. And some of them are friendly and some of them are not friendly at all. And it's um, Jojo really grabs you because even though he's 13, he's kind of the only adult in the room. And he narrates a lot of the story. Not all of it. It's narrated by different people. But um, they go on this terrible car trip to pick up the father from prison. And everything that could go wrong basically goes wrong. But she, Jasmine Ward, tells this in a way that you feel like you're in this car. And you are smelling the smells. And you are right up there in it. It is an uncomfortable read and um we actually read it for a book club um, which which prompted me to read it jessica had read it before and told me it was difficult um and yeah it's it's difficult i mean it, it but it also hits on a lot of things um that are unfortunately she's writing about things that she knows about and she's writing about things that are still happening mm -hmm. and um so I just like the idea that I can, for a minute, look at the world through these characters' eyes because this is a life that I have not lived and I'm not going to live. And it gives me so much more empathy for the world around me and makes me explore more, you know, first-person narratives and, and voices. Um, but it is not an easy book. Mm -hmm. I mean, the things that happen in it, there is, there is a lynching in it. Um, and there's a meth addiction. Yeah, but the so Jessica touched on there are like um, there are ghosts in it, mm -hmm. and some of them are are well intentioned, and some of them are not. But the one specifically that is not, there's a very good reason why he's why not. he is not. But but in, but but what was what happened to him could have been so much worse if things without ruining the story if things hadn't gone the way they they went but yeah. but it 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 was to the detriment of everyone involved in this life mm -hmm. um so i highly recommend it if you really want to get your teeth into something um that is a little more challenging um is beautifully written and really puts you right in the action in an extremely kind of challenging um, subject matter wise, not subject not, matter, not not in reading it. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 um it's beautifully written and and flows perfectly mm -hmm. and it's easy to read. You're immediately caught up in the story, and I invested in JoJo's life. Oh, very much so. So, um, Sing Unburied Sing by Jessamyn Ward, National Book Award winner. Um, it's in paperback. It's been in paperback for a while, mm -hmm. but um, I can see this. As a classic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the last one that I'm going to talk about is, um, it came out actually the same year, I believe, as Sing Unburied Sing did. Um, and I actually read it as an advanced reader copy, and I read it in one sitting because it's beautiful, and I just could not put it down. I was, I was just enchanted by it. Um, it's called Exit West by uh, Mohsin Hamid, and it is the story of a young couple who have to flee from their home country. And he very specifically does not tell you where that country is. Um, a coup has happened. Civil war has broken out and they need to leave. Um, 
But there's magical realism in here, um, which is actually very, very enchanting. Um, these doors start appearing, and you can go through these doors, and you end up in a completely different part of the world. So refugees are going through these doors and going to different parts of the world, which is creating um, its own problem in a lot of these places. Uh, so while it's the story of these two um, young lovers and their journey to get away from um, the upheaval in their home country, it's also the story of how these places are dealing with the refugee crisis that they're now having. And um, when they eventually end up in London, it really kind of switches focus and looks at London as a character and how London is dealing with this. And it's just beautiful. And it's not, it doesn't have a happy ending. It doesn't wrap up Hallmark-like, um, but it ends satisfyingly um you'll 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 appreciate the way it ends um but it really just is beautiful um i actually was doing a book swap with somebody and the um like the theme of the book swap was just kind of like to like pack a book with something so you just like put things in between the pages and so like i would put these little notes in there with like quotes from the book that were like my favorite quotes I, it was the whole book was my favorite quote. <laughs> I mean, like there are just sentences in here, sentences in here that are just so beautiful. You'll go back and read them over and over again because the writing is just so gorgeous. So if you like magical realism, if you like something that's just going to take you to a whole different place, this, this one is just absolutely beautiful loved this book. I, I have been listening to Melissa talk about this book for a long time, <laughs> um, and I, I need to read it, because it, it, the description kind of reminds me of a paragon that I read, although there's no magical realism in that. It's written in such a way um, about conflict and refugees and how to live in these difficult situations. Yeah, and it's like it's just the beauty in the narrative is just so unexpected because your refugee camps and these horrible living conditions and like they're squatting in these houses that have been abandoned and there's like 40 people living in this one home and they don't have electricity. It's just there it's just the ability to find the beauty in that is amazing to me. Just gorgeous. Yeah, and let me just add that the cover is very aesthetically pleasing. It <laughs> really is. It really, it really is. is. <laughs> you held it up in the light, I think, and it like sparkled. Yes, it's got like, little oh. like little silver bits in it. So if it you hit it at the right light, it will shine yeah. at you. I felt like Skimble Shanks whenever she sees like a ray of light or something. <laughs> and I was like, like oh. ooh. <laughs> so whoever did the cover art for the paperback version of Exit West, well done. Um, I, the hardcover they they didn't change it from the hardcover like, and so, so yeah. Whoever did the cover art on this, Great well job. done. <laughs> cover design by Rachel Wiley. Well done, you. <laughs> All right, Josie. So my final official one is <laughs> Incendiary by Zoraida Cordova, and we've actually sold a couple of copies, which makes me very happy. <laughs> and just to give you a quick pitch of it, it's inspired by the Spanish Inquisition. It's young adult fantasy. 
and it's not as heavy as you'd expect. So what Zoraida does is that... <laughs> no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Sorry, I couldn't have that to say So it's inspired by it, and what she does is that she weaves in Latin American culture as if it were meeting a Star Wars film. So Zoraida Cordova is... She has written a Star Wars novel. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> <laughs> she has written a Star Wars novel called Crash of Fate. And she's a huge Star Wars fan. So that's how she pitches this book. It is definitely dealing with the whole idea of rebels and the opposing force, which is the prince who has many names. He's a horrible person. <laughs> or is he? And... It deals a lot with magic. So, of course, she has the most deadliest power of all, which is she can manipulate and steal memories. <laughs> and she was also <laughs> raised in the castle, so she knows a lot about the palace and these people, and she managed to escape, and now she has to go back. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to read that. Yeah. <laughs> you had me at Star Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, I think, oddly, our books weren't as, Oftentimes when Melissa and I are talking, it's now for something completely different. But They all kind of flowed together, together a little bit this time. But I think Josie has a couple more unofficial oh. suggestions. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, I'm going to turn the mic back over to Josie. <laughs> okay. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to give a shout out to America Chavez, Puerto and Fortuna, which is a Marvel comic by Gabby Rivera. And this is the first volume. There are two volumes out for now. I hope she makes more, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she takes a twist on the classic female superhero of the Marvel comics, except, of course, it's a woman of color. She's queer. And it deals a lot with belonging and found families because her world gets destroyed she loses her mother's and ends up in our world in new york so she lives in spanish harlem with um multiple cultures and she embraces all of them so it's weaving marvel comics with latin american culture which she did it so well and so beautifully so please pick this up <laughs> america chavez is also besties with kate bishop who is the new female hawkeye yes there's some crossover in the um latest hawkeye comics so so if you like america you should read some hawkeye <laughs> yep <laughs> and then the second one is i haven't finished it I received an ARC, and it is Laura Laura Taylor Nami's next novel, her debut. We actually have it at the store. <laughs> it's the Library of Lost Things. And this one that I'm going to mention is called A Cuban Girl's Guide to Tea and Tomorrow. And quick summary, her name is Laila Reyes, and she goes through the trifecta real quick. Her grandmother passes, her best friend stops talking to her, and her boyfriend dumps her before prom. Oh, oh. That, that's a bad... Yeah, no. no. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. no good. <laughs> so her parents sent her to live with family, friends in London, mm. and she ends up meeting a boy, of course, and <laughs> it explores this relationship as making her realize that was everything she was upset about really worth it in terms of... is. Do we really know where we want our life to be in five to ten years? Hmm. She has to, she just re-examines everything around 
because sometimes we think we want something and he really helps her see that hey maybe i don't have it figured out and that's okay so is this the arc that you got from the author no. that was all blinged out no that was so nice that was <laughs> you don't live here by robin schneider and i guess i'm giving her a shout out <laughs> it was really nice she sent a package to the store and it just had candy and pens and the arc and it was really sweet especially during these times that you thought to bring that to us, especially since um, she shipped out all the books by herself. Like, yeah, like, like her theory. publisher didn't send them out. She was yeah. sending them out individually, which yeah, was she, very sweet. She <laughs> posted a picture of a lot of boxes. So shout out to you, Robin. <laughs> and, and you know, just a FYI for authors or publicists that, you know, want to send us some books. If you include chocolate in there, I will read that book. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> or if you, you send a, 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 a personal note, which I'm like, oh, I have to read this now. Mm -hmm. And and usually they're books I end up loving. Well, I think that anybody that takes the time to actually write a personalized note has kind of looked at things that we reviewed and really does actually believe that it's going to be something we'll enjoy. And they usually are right. They're, you know, they publicists are. and reps, they know what they're doing. <laughs> I know. And I, I just wanted to let everyone know who's out there. We have guests on the show, but our guests are mainly pretty much only people we're actually working with. So our bookstore is down to a staff of four, uh, five, five mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And five, including Jessica and myself. So, right. Yeah. And, and we have spent most of this pandemic together and, and we don't really um, hang out with other people so <laughs> this is our little covid circle and, um, <laughs> it needs a sarah mclaughlin song playing in the background <laughs> I, think, I think we're making the best of it um, yeah yes and so I, I didn't want anyone to get the wrong idea that we're recruiting people that we um are not in regular contact. No, all, all of our guests have either been, uh, our author guests have been by Zoom, um, and then our other guests have been our booksellers. So, you know, people that are in the store. And let's face it, there are way better or way worse places to be quarantined and stuck than a bookstore. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and I'm so grateful that all of you have been supporting us and ordering books from us. And I, I really enjoy delivering books on my bicycle locally. And it makes me happy when I mail packages out all over the country. And, um, and the notes that people have written, um, it, well, I'm not going to talk too much of that. Jessica will start crying. I'll get teary. <laughs> so. It's what she do. <laughs> Thank you. When I'm not laughing hysterically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, in case you all don't know, um, on Instagram Live each day at 11.30, Jessica is doing a children's story time um, right now. She's reading The House at Pooh Corner, and there are some unintentionally funny moments with Pooh pooing in the sun. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny. Um, so I, I may have gotten a little bit of the giggles that I could not get under control today. Yeah. Um, for you, you that were listening, I'm sorry. Between that and the bugs flying up our nose because we have a fruit fly in station and the cats knocking things over yeah. it's it's an interesting ride if you watch our story times yeah so and then also at three o'clock we've been doing a tea time story break for adults and we just finished up persuasion and right now we are reading great 
Delicate Expectations by Charles Dickens. And normally Jessica and I would um, switch back and forth on that, but I asked her if I could read the whole thing because I've never read the book before and I don't want to miss anything. So I'll be reading that each day at three, two chapters at a time. And let me just say, it has been a while since I've read Charles Dickens. I've read several things by him. He's hilarious. There he are several so moments funny. when I was reading today that I was giggling to myself because he's just got a way that just a the way Roman with words. Knows. Yeah, the Roman nose. And Pip is just just a delightful little scamp. He, he is, <laughs> although the pronunciation of the names, I'm glad that you're dealing with that. <laughs> yes, there's there are some weird names in there. Charles Dickens. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we have, unless Josie's got any more. No, (laughs) no surprises. Okay. So that's all we have for you this week. Thank you again so much for listening and for, we've gotten a few different emails from people who have listened and have responded to things and it's very, very sweet and it warms, warms the cockles. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you next week. Be well, read the books. Lots of them. Bye.